Hey, so before this episode starts, I wanted to let you know that I'm running a free webinar training on how I reach hundreds of thousands of potential customers each year and generate partnership revenue through authentic brand partnerships. It may be that you're feeling really cash strapped at the moment. Maybe you're over relying on Facebook and Instagram advertising, or it could just be that your marketing strategies are no longer cutting through or working like they used to. Either way, it's absolutely time to use brand partnerships. There's never been a more necessary time to integrate this tactic into your marketing strategy because partnerships can drive both reach and revenue for your business, which is really exciting. I'm only going to do two free sessions on this. The first one's on Tuesday, the 2nd of August, and the second one is on Wednesday, the 3rd of August. One's at lunchtime, one is early morning. Um, And to register, you can do that for free via the URL, bit.ly slash reach 100k or bit.ly slash reach 100k. I look forward to seeing you there. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to This Is How We Do It. We chat with brilliant marketers to delve behind the scenes of creative marketing collaborations and brand partnerships. I'm your host, Jess Rufus, and I'm the founder of Collabosaurus. And together with Microsoft Store Sydney, we are exploring how collaboration marketing can build a business, and we're chatting to the pros about how they do it. Hello, and welcome back to This Is How We Do It. Today on the podcast, we have the incredible Lauren Pickering, who's experienced marketing to females of all ages across Australia and New Zealand is second to none. The focus of this interview is on the collaborations Lauren spearheaded in her time in senior marketing management roles at both Barbie and Maybelline New York, so two huge brands, and she is incredibly generous with her knowledge and experiences. I'm so excited to share this interview with you. But before we get started, I have to share with you the lump of coal Christmas present I received when I went to edit this podcast episode because I know you will all relate (laughs) in some way, shape or form. We held this interview live and of course, even though I tested everything, I swear to you I did, and we had two sound experts there on the day, of course, Lauren's mic didn't pick up very well. So we've since had the audio repaired by two further experts and I want to apologize profusely for the back our noise and the quality of the recording because it's definitely not up to our normal standard. But it is such a fantastic interview and I absolutely had to share it. Push through with the sound quality. You will get so many amazing nuggets of wisdom. I promise you that. It's so worth it. Okay, I'll stop talking now. Let's get straight into the episode. Enjoy. excited to have Lauren Pickering here. Thank you for flying in today. Okay, so I would love to kick off our conversation with your time at Barbie. I think the brand is very top of mind at the moment. If everyone's seen the Airbnb and Barbie Malibu Dreamhouse collab, which I absolutely love, um, I'd love for you to talk a little bit about your time at Barbie, your role there, and some of the collaborations that you spearheaded while you were there. Okay. Um... I've definitely been lucky enough to work with a number of incredible brands throughout my career and of course Barbie being one of them. It's a brand with so much history, it's a brand that sparks so much conversation, some of it good and some of it not so good. Um, and it's a brand that as a little girl I just adore. So being, being her custodian for a number of years was really a privilege. 
Um, my role was the senior marketing manager and it was a really broad role and very hands-on role. And my team and I, we would do everything from customer research and that means going and visiting homes and watching little girls play with their dolls. It's not very good <laughs> because we kind of look like kindergarten teachers ourselves. Um, we would also get to select which products we would launch into the Australia and New Zealand market. And then there's the fun stuff, forecasting, budgeting, sales presentations, licensing agreements, and of course, all things related to advertising and communications, which is where we got to flex our creative muscles um, and do fun things like collaborations. They're so fun. Definitely play a huge part in the role and the party strategy, really. Um, and always have, and in a large part, that's how Barbie has stayed relevant for 60 years um, and being culturally relevant and reflecting today's society is really what has given Barbie longevity in a toy industry where so many brands come in and out. Um, look, during my time, we had two key strategies for collaborations. One of those was to connect to mass fashion, and that's because we wanted our Barbie fans to be able to wear the brand with pride. And those fans could be young, they could be old. We did some great collaborations with the likes of Peter Alexander, um, with Shop, and with Target, where we launched some really adorable party dresses. Um, and the second strategy there was to collaborate with partners that would facilitate um, our customers to have an experience with the brand that was beyond just playing with the doll. Um, so to that extent, we partnered with the Langham and, and produced a range of uh, mother and daughter high tea events. We um, worked with Village Cinemas and brought one of the Barbie movies to the big screen. And we worked with a company called The Entertainment Group. And they um, brought the Barbie Live musical show to Australia. And then we would do on school holidays a series of shopping centre shows and character meeting breaks. Amazing. Yeah. Yeah. I love just that. a few. So many collaborations. <laughs> so many collaborations. No, I love it. No, no, no. I think the thing there with the, you know, audience getting familiar with it all um, and not getting exhausted is really shifting up the collaboration type. I love how all of those examples were really different in terms of the execution. There were like, you know, live activations and experiences and then there were product collaborations and limited edition pyjamas with Peter Alexander. I love all that. Um, so my next question is really about talking about that collaboration type how do you go about determining, you know, what type you really explored at Barbie? Yeah, I mean, and many brands can do this, but Barbie in particular can be so flexible and, and collaboration types could be product types. They, they could be events, they could be experiences or even social messaging. Um, I actually read, you know, the Airbnb one's going around at the moment, but there's another collaboration that Barbie's doing right now and it's with Virgin Atlantic um, and they've launched a range of aviation-themed dolls but to make it a meatier collaboration, they're also going out with a message called hashtag see her fly. And it's really about encouraging the next generation, the female pilots and aviation workers to embrace what is traditionally a male dominated area. And I think that what, what a great collaboration to role, male, role model um, what could be. Um, look, I guess there's so many options when it comes to collaboration type and as long as it's rooted in something that makes sense, yeah. you do have flexibility to, to shift and change. Um, at my time, um, we very much focused on product collaborations and experience-based collaborations. Um, why? Well, well, Barbie 
throughout her 60 years has gone through phases of peaks and troughs and um, you may know of a movie called Frozen and um, Frozen launched when I was at the helm of Barbie and for a little while there Princess Elsa was the character of choice for many girls and it meant that Barbie and we as a team had to flip our mindset from lead brand to, to challenge a brand and find ways to connect with our customers and for them find a reason to put Barbie in the trolley and I guess by drawing on Barbie's fashion credentials and nostalgic appeal it was a way that Barbie could excel where Elsa potentially couldn't. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I love that the theme of today has come up a few times about flexibility like these big massive brands being quite flexible in their approach to collaboration, which I love. So I'd love to ask about determining this type, whether it's products or activations or whatever it is that you're exploring. At what point in the conversation does that come around? Are you kind of like identifying collaboration partners first and then discovering what you could do together? Or do you have a, we want to do an event and then approach brands that way? Look, it's a real mix. Um, There's a myth that goes around that, you know, Brands like Barbie have a thousand and one collaboration opportunities to, to pick and choose from and bringing a collaboration to life is as simple as clicking the fingers and that's absolutely not true. Um, everything has to have a reason and, and be, be focusing on the customer at the end of the day and making sure that what you're doing makes sense to elevate the brand or improve their experience. Um, there was a lot of pitches that we made to, to different brands that were rejected you know, for a number of reasons. Um, sometimes it's brand related, sometimes it's who's in charge of making those decisions related. Um, and there's a lot of pictures that we received that we said, oh, I don't think that that feels quite right ever or at this stage. Mm-hmm. Um, the ones that made sense were ones that that really brought something different to the table. And so I'll use the Peter Alexander collaboration as an example. You know, his brand is quite cheeky and irreverent. Um, Barbie at the time was very much um, questioned about her body shape and she's so serious, etc. Um, and partnering with Peter Alexander was, was a great way of showing the kitsch, fun, vintage side of the brand. Um, and for them, being able to, to draw in you know, a really great fan base, give them another reason to buy a set of pyjamas. Um, in terms of timing, look, I think... From memory, the Peter Alexander collaboration started with a conversation and a relationship about 18 months before we launched Pajamas, um, so it moved relatively quickly, and we went to them, and I think our first line of the pitch was, do you want to get in bed with Barbie and Peter <laughs> and Ken? And I think that spoke to the heart of their brand, and, you know, we were talking before about um, working with brands but also with people and you've got to work with good people and people who get your vision. Absolutely. I think relationships are so at the heart of successful brand collabs for sure. Um, I think a lot of people get really stuck when it comes to who to contact and how to pitch Mm -hmm. something in, particularly when it comes to such a huge, massive legacy brand like Barbie, um, which is absolutely one of the reasons why we launched um, the pitch portal on Collabosaurus, which makes that really easy. Shameless plug. So um, where, when you were at Barbie, where did opportunities come from and who were they directed at? Yeah, anywhere and everywhere. Um, if I take the Langham, for example, you know, Fiona from the Langham rang up and, and 
you know, we happened to be at our desk and answered the, the phone that day. And she said, oh, look, I'm really wanting to create this mother and daughter high tea event and I feel like we need something for the girl to just make that experience a little bit more special. Would you mind you know, providing $100 to this event? We went, hang on a second, we're all about experiences too. Mother and daughter, gee, there's a nostalgic play there. This could be something even bigger. And we started to, to snowball the idea and it became, you know, a fully-fledged design menu with, you know, crown um, cupcakes and pink fluffy marshmallows and 101 different menu items that related to the Langan and Barbie. Um, we took our Barbie character to the event and so the girls got to have their selfies and meet the character and and the Langham were fantastic in being really flexible to those ideas. Um, and I think that phone call was a month before the first event. So <laughs> when, when it's not all massively planned. Line, it can happen. Um, <laughs> yeah. But most often it's a good 12 to 18 months in advance. Yeah. And you're right in, in that having a contact and building a relationship is that first step. Mm -hmm. um, and that can often take time that very reason why Clubhouse is an incredible platform. But once you've got the, <laughs> once you've got the, um, the contact and starting the relationship, because you never want to go in and say, hey, nice to meet you, I've got this great idea. You, you've got to you know, build a relationship yeah. slowly. It, it is working in that pitch or that idea eventually. For sure. So, I mean, that Langham one, I love that, that that was a phone call and happened to be lucky. <laughs> um, and when it comes to like other reach outs, maybe via like email or mm -hmm. like meeting people at events or whatever, wherever mm -hmm. it is that you're receiving a lot of pitches from, yeah. is there anything that stands out that was really good and clever um, from the pitch side that really got you to go absolutely yes? Yeah, look, I find that things that resonate to me for any type of pitch are when there's something that sways away from the obvious in some way, shape or form. Um, or something that's really born out of the desire to surprise and delight customers. And those two things really stand out for me. So if I'm reading something or hearing something and I can start to visualise how it would come to life or, or start to build idea upon idea, then I know that we're heading in the right direction. Um, I definitely think that you don't want to... You want to share your vision in a pitch um, and you want to share some of the arsenal that might be able to make it happen but you don't want to lead them and give them a plan that's set in stone because then you don't feel like both partners have solid input and, and a good collaboration is one that benefits both partners equally um, so I guess when I pitch I then like to really share my vision not necessarily the outcome a vision um, and plant that seed of possibility that allows both partners to workshop and snowball ideas. I love that tip. That is awesome. Win-win always. And flexibility, again, is a theme that's coming up. Um, so my next question is about marketing impact. You and I are marketing geeks together, yep. which I love. Um, so one of the reasons I built Clabasaurus is because I saw so many opportunities to reach new customers getting missed in a collaboration um, at both Barbie and Maybelline New York. Um, are you able to speak to the actual marketing or growth impact that you saw off the back of collaborations? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, and I guess the, the great thing about collaborations is that the impact can be product or sales based, it can be perception based, it can be immediate, it can be long term. Um, it really depends on the program that you develop. 
um, at Maybelline back in the 90s and early 2000s, the brand was very much um, a girly, girly, pastel pink brand and it's seen a significant transformation in the last 15 or so years. And, and part of that was to move away from being known only for mascaras. Um, but part of it was also to start to associate ourselves with fashion a little bit more. And so back in, I want to say around 2010, um, we sponsored Australian Fashion Week. And sponsorships, they're great, they get your name out there, um, they're often the ticket to the game, but it was how we leveraged that sponsorship and collaborated with a number of different Australian designers that really had the impact. So mm -hmm. we worked with a range of designers to create their lookbooks and do their makeup for the runways. And in return, I guess, we got to shoot some incredible content for our social media platforms and for YouTube and to really showcase that you could get runway ready looks from this mass, quite affordable brand. Um, and that was invaluable. Um, in terms of impact though, the, the collaboration and the sponsorship had so many layers. You know, We had products that were used in, on the runway, seeing sales spikes. We had limited edition products that were launched with our designers that sold out completely. Um, our social media engagement and reach went nuts and we had a lot of a lot of people uploading their own house looks using our products. So that was incredible um, and unexpected side benefit and impact. And I guess harder to measure, but I guess looking back now is seeing that brand's perception and transformation change from being quite very, very young, like we're talking young teen, to a brand that's more appealing to women in their 20s and 30s now. I love that. That's awesome. Pardon the interruption, I'm popping in with a quick word from our partners at Microsoft Store. As you know, we hosted these podcast chats as part of our launch event at Microsoft Store Sydney and it was fantastic. What a lot of people don't know is that they actually host a ton of free events and workshops for small businesses and their employees. From free tech support services to small business consultations or workshops and personal training courses, they've got it all. So if you wanted to book in for a free consult in Microsoft Store, check the link in our show notes. I think um, leverage is one of my favourite topics um, and today is a good testament to that as well. I mean, Microsoft and Collabasaurus, Microsoft Store and Collabasaurus, we started working together, you know, around the podcast and it was like, okay, why don't we do an event? And then there's that content opportunity and there's so many other opportunities within one collaboration. And I love that Maybelline and Australian Fashion Week collaboration because it wasn't just the behind the scenes content or the makeup on the models, it was the limited edition packaging that you did with the designers and stuff, which was amazing. So blah, 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 my question, <laughs> which I have to find my notes, um, from your perspective, how did this approach, you know, really actually leverage the whole impact of the collaboration, I suppose? So if you hadn't done the packaging, for example, would it have had a massively different outcome? I think the, that particular collaboration was just a sum of parts and you know, behind Maybelline and Australian Fashion Week, there were layers of people, you know, we've got a sales team and they had PR teams and event teams and they had things that they needed to get done too. Um, and so that collaboration had a lot of layers, you know, sales promotions, competitions to attend the event and sit front row, um, behind the scenes content, runway looks, limited edition products, you know, media events, you name it, we had it. Um, and I guess it, in some way, all of those layers linked back to some sort of objective and that was you know, perception-based and that was sales-based. Mm -hmm. yeah, awesome. for, for Maybelline. 
Yeah. And I mean, like with collaborations, I think the word collaboration gets used a lot. It's used across sponsorships, influencer collabs, brand-to-brand collabs, licensing, all that kind of stuff can be kind of rolled up into that collaboration ball. Um, With Collabosaurus, we really focus on brand-to-brand collaborations that often don't involve any monetary exchange whatsoever. It's often about leveraging what each brand has in a partnership already. So my next question is, what's your advice Um, when it comes to approaching a fair deal? How do you make sure that it's fair and win-win for both brands? Yes, Tuffy. Look, in my experience there, and to be completely transparent, there have been a lot of monetary exchanges. So I mentioned sponsorships before. Look, the power is not necessarily always in the sponsorship, but they're often the ticket to the gap. Licensing agreements, things like Peter Alexander, there's a sales percentage kickback. but I guess the Barbie and the Langham example was a non-monetary collaboration that I can talk to. And I think fairness started with understanding, I guess, what, what you have to offer um, and then knowing what you're willing to exchange for it. Um, and that can be anything. That can be a product, that can be an event, that can be a database, that can be your reputation. Um, there's 101 things that you could offer an exchange. Um, but again, it comes back to what's going to make that collaboration benefit both parties and what's going to you know, be in it for the customer. And often, you know, what's the value of what that thing is that you're offering or bringing to the table? What's the actual, like, even if you were to quantify that as much as possible and, you know... Yeah. Make sure that it's fair. Yeah. <laughs> um, so my last question is, do you have any tips or advice for marketers maybe considering collaboration mm-hmm. as part of their broader strategy, but they're hesitant? Oh, look, I've had such success. Like some of the most successful campaigns I've run have been collaborations. Um, I think my advice would be to ask a couple of questions of yourself. The first one being, why do you want to do a collaboration? Um, can't just be because it's cool. Um, you've got to have some sort of objective. Um, then I guess the second question would be with potential partners, what crossover opportunities might exist? Um, so is there, a, is there a link that makes sense or is there a link that can, can be forged? Um, this could be things like milestone or event-based um, opportunities, something like a Valentine's Day or back to school. It could be a demographic type of um, opportunity, so tennis players or tennis fans, um, or it could even be a location-based opportunity, so Pitt Street Mall or Mornington Peninsula. Um, And I guess the third part, which is where the rubber starts to hit the road, is start to brainstorm some partners that you'd love to work with, you know? Everyone's got cards on your tables (laughs) to fill that in. Yeah, I used to have a little post-it note that I used to sort of jot down brands that I'd love to work with one day. Yeah. And I think that saying things aloud or jotting them down is that first step to making it happen. And then just go for it. I do that too. And look, yay. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you so much, Lauren, for your time and advice. It was fabulous. Thank you so much for coming. Hey everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode and sorry again for the sound quality. Because of this, I've had the episode transcribed and you can catch it over on the Collabosaurus blog if you were interested to grab any notes. I'll pop the link in our show notes to that. 
And also, if you had any brand collaborations in mind that you would love to know how on earth they were pulled together, please give us a shout at Collabosaurus on Instagram or on email, and we'll try and get you the behind the scenes story. But until next time, we'll see you soon.